Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I am here with first-time guest, Brooke Primore, to talk about the song, Oh Do Not Forsake Me, off of John Henry. Oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friends. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this, for I am one thousand years old, one thousand years old. One thousand years old, but what do you know? In my darkest hour, I'm talking like this, for I am one thousand years old. Brooke, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. Of course. It's good to be on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, cuz when I was when I was looking back, I think it was maybe you haven't been waiting too long. What was it? Like May we first yeah, talked about, about 6 it, months maybe? ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I keep going back through my spreadsheet and trying to write the wrongs of some of the people that have been on there for too long cuz it was just like a flood of people at first. <laughs> sure. And I should have noted like next to the person's name where they picked a the song when they picked it. <laughs> <laughs> that really was some information I should have put on there. So I'm like, wait sure. a minute. Oh, shit. They've been on here for a year and a half <laughs> and are just politely waiting. So I want to tell everyone out there listening, if you are on the spreadsheet and be like, hmm, I wonder if I'm ever going to get to do that episode. Let me know because I probably just uh, forgot how long you've been on there. You know, so hit me up. Don't be afraid to, to, to bug me and remind me because I am very forgetful. Uh, so, Brooke, you are... Uh, you're in uh, NYC now, right? But you're originally yeah. from Michigan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in a town called Waterford, Michigan, which um, uh, the, Detroit, the Detroit Tiger, Kurt Gibson, is the most famous graduate of my high school. Oh, and right. um, the singer from the Black Dahlia Murder is the second most famous graduate of my high school. And I'm the third most 
So there's a real <laughs> drop off after those guys. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, because I saw your. Um, so is that near Kalamazoo? Because that's, that's what your Facebook page is. No, Kalamazoo. I, no? I'm, matri- I'm matriculated at. I went to Western Michigan University and I was like, when I first came here, I was like, let's just pretend Waterford didn't happen. I was like, you know, and for a long time as an artist and as a, as a, um, you know, as like a, a, just an individual, I tried to pretend like I never lived in Waterford or went there or anything. And, and, uh, you know, now there's no, there's nobody there for me to go back and see, but, um, it's kind of silly to do stuff like that. You know, it's just Mm, like mm -hmm. everybody's from somewhere. Right. You know, and the older I've gotten, I've been like, I have started exploring that part of my life in songs and, and in, in other forms of art. And so, like, mm. but I I said from Kalamazoo, but they're really about 200 miles apart. Oh, and I okay. went out that way. Yeah. So it's, I was all um, excited. I'm like, I've played shows there. Kalamazoo's cool. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I lived in Kalamazoo for five years. And yeah. And I, I considered going, I'm, I'm looking into grad schools now, and I considered going to pursue an mfa at western and uh i'm I'm looking at other places instead but i considered for a time moving back there because it is funky it is weird there's generations (laughs) of people there yeah where did you play up there oh god um shit dude you know how it goes it all blurs (laughs) together after a while i remember playing uh in front of this is in the back of some uh it's like a back room of a bar i don't think it was a restaurant like a bar a back room playing in front of a fireplace that had like a fucking deer head mounted Uh, on the wall that's louis yeah yeah i I knew it was just some guy's name (laughs) i i I played there in 2017 and and i had never heard of the place the whole time i lived there i never heard of that place i was like this place is wild it looked like a place that had been there forever (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it really is like a hundred year old bar but i guess it didn't have shows back in the day because i never heard of anybody playing there but i thought that place was cool as hell yeah you know the kids they'll find anywhere to throw shows it's uh it's how it gets in in those mid-sized towns yeah that is true gotta do what you can that's the thing with lafayette here like i was telling you that we have this place called the spot um and the spot is a cool dive bar that's very weirdo friendly and hosts everything from like avant-garde like free jazz to you know punk and you know pretty much none of the like typical bar bands and stuff come there it's like the 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 freak friendly zone and then there's these other venues that sometimes cool stuff will pop off at but a lot of them it's like i wouldn't even call them venues because like you got to bring your own pa i'm like what the fuck is that you know you know what i'm talking about i'm like uh you can't call yourself a venue that you're just you're just providing a floor for me to drag all my own shit onto right 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 (laughs) that would be i would really like to play uh at the spot uh if i could book it on a saturday night that would be the ultimate in the in the meme in in the, the meme irony for me that would be yeah, now now that I know that's what that place is called, I gotta play the spot. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I gotta play there. Saturday night, and we in the spot. <laughs> exactly, you're right. Uh, so yeah, since we got a little bit of a time frame to work in here, let's get right down to uh, business here and sure. tell the folks uh, the story of your TMBG fandom. 
Yeah, I I was 13. I had I had every Weird Al album that I think I had heard up to that point, and um, I didn't think music was something that was for me. If that makes sense, I, um, you know, hair metal of the 80s was like, you know, Girls, Girls, Girls was not Brooke, 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 I'll tell you that, in 1992. And I I remember, 93, and I I remember, um, and hip-hop was like, I wasn't a gangbanger. I'm not a gangbanger now. I never was. And, uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, and... uh, they um you know it, it still like, seemed a little bit of a dangerous genre back then yeah yeah at I, least that's and, what the news outlets were telling us <laughs> <laughs> i listen to that stuff now but that was the year murder was the case and right. you know and um my sister is 10 years younger than i am so i spent a lot of time with her under her age appropriate television with that playing mm. on the screen and the last morning i ever watched saturday morning cartoons an episode of tiny tunes aired and it was their music episode mm-hmm. and two they might of course you know two they might be giant songs opened that and i, I don't was know what like, you're talking about no one has ever told this uh, <laughs> you're the first person <laughs> to I, discover them I, through, <laughs> through what is it t- small tunes small tunes <laughs> um i we we can laugh about that now, but I really felt that way for a long time because yeah. Waterford, Michigan, you know, Ted Nugent is the most sacred artist in, in Ted Nugent and Bob Seeger. Yeah. And, um, you know, Detroit was right there, but I was never told about Motown. I didn't hear the Stooges or MC5 till I moved out to New York, you know. I didn't hear any of that wow. stuff. And wow. so, like, you know, Garth Brooks was, was about as punk rock as you could get. And so I saw this stuff that was like, you know, you didn't see them in that video, but they were nerds, you know, and, and the nature of... You get a split second of uh, Plucky as Linnell and uh, Hampton, I think, was the the pig. Hampton as Flansburg in the Istanbul one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dancing through Plucky with the Linnell hair. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, nobody, we, we didn't. And then my friends and I like all kind of discovered them at the same time. And, and so there were these, we, it kept being like, you know, since 93, so Apollo 18 was out. And so it kept being like, Oh, I got this album flood. Like, did you know they have another album called Lincoln? (laughs) And I was like, I got this one. That's like, that's like, you know, it's just pink, you know? And like, we kept finding more and more music and like, and just like, so I had like a year to explore that stuff and and then figured out the info club and then figured out so i I happened to be turn on mtv at midnight and and see them on screen when they hosted 120 minutes and and i like screamed and jammed a vhs (laughs) tape in the machine and i i watched that tape until it wore out and it's pretty good and and i got my first guitar that same year and and i really was like music is music is like the thing that I'm going to do I knew then I've had certain moments in my life where I knew this is this is what's going to happen now and and I knew before my first lesson before I played a guitar that I was going to find a way to play music and that was what I was going to do for my life and it really is from seeing them on that show wow. it was really that immediate and that's you a know, big credit to the band, yeah, and not just that it's a band that you love, but a band that 
let you know that music is important to you. I, I've had the chance to meet John Flansburg a few times, and I do not tell him that the the spark uh, <laughs> the, of my musical career was because of them. I just right. I don't think anyone it should be uh, forced that responsibility. You know, like, <laughs> that's a big way. Yeah, the, or the, the typical <laughs> your music saved my life. Right, and I did. The last <laughs> Ooh, time I okay. spoke to him was. I was a waiter or a runner at this steakhouse in Midtown that they like, and I saw them there a, a few times. I actually encountered that I ran food to them when they were huh. being inter- interviewed for the Thirty Three and a Third book. Oh um, wow! And I found out this summer that that's that that was. I remembered seeing them, and they described the room that they were in, and I was like, "Oh, that's why they were there." But um, the last time was like right before I left that place, and I was like. He he wanted to talk to me, and I was like, John Henry really helped me in tenth grade, and like I just yeah. left it at that, and yeah. and it really like, did. I really I mean, love you guys while you're holding a steak knife. <laughs> right, 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 right. You you don't want to you don't want to hurt people's feelings. Back away like, slowly. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm reminded of that. Uh, uh, the there's an SNL sketch. The guy who plays Mr. Belvedere fan club. Uh, have you ever seen this where it's like, yes, it's been yeah, and that really is like, I'm, I hate what I am. And when I see real fanaticism about them, about they, I'm like, I hate it so much, but it's because I'm guilty of it. You know, like, mm. you know, knowing, knowing the stuff that I've known about the way those records were made and stuff, it's, it's fanatical. And, but, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And John Henry is special to me because it was the first new album. It's a particularly guitar-driven album. Mm -hmm. Um, I I proposed a 33 and a third book in 2020, one of many projects I did in 2020 with all this off time. And uh, I actually referenced a TMBG info club packet I got lead, that was leading up to John Henry when I was f- 15 and playing my first guitar and taking lessons. And then I get my favorite bands. Like it, it's the one where it's like preview from cat skills from recording John Henry. And he says, um, my guitar playing has gotten so much better playing with live musicians all the time and Mm -hmm. i was like how is that possible why does this guy need to get better and it's like (laughs) oh because we all need to grow right and so like you know i watched john henry coming out and i got it the day it came out and i i saw them twice in 94 both before and after that and it was really like the the flashpoint of of music for me i saw other shows that year and i saw other shows in high school and there were other in I saw the Ramones in the same couple of years and a couple nice. other things, but um that were like crucial flashpoint moments. But that was really the you know, page one of Genesis for me was the stuff around John Henry. And it's such a weird it's a weird record for them because it's a guitar record, right? Like it's Yeah, and it's the only full band record where Flans is the guitarist. Yeah, yes. and they brought in Eric Schirmerhorn was all over Factory Showroom, and then Miller, and then that's the rest. So it was all flames on on that, and yeah. it's so good. And even though we're not going to get to talk about guitar really today, because the song doesn't have any this, and uh, and even like even more so, I'd say the John Henry demos. Um, just the guitar is so prominent and 
wild and oftentimes just unhinged and amazing right on this album yeah right it, and, it, and it really is like i'm still trying to figure out where a riff like snail shell comes from you know you know like that it doesn't make any sense to me like i i would never with the way i play guitar write something like that you know and that's that's an, yeah. that might have been written on a keyboard you know but you know that's a one l song but it's hard it, to say yeah yeah you know we we think of these sometimes as being these like one or the other john kind of thing but i mean as we'll talk about today you have uh you know flansburg starting off doing the lead vocal for this song but then there's a story about Linnell helping with the transposition. And so I think there's more teamwork there than we often give them credit for. So why did you pick, Oh, do not forsake me? Well, uh, I, it, it's a Flansburg song. It's obviously like uh, Flansburg canonically, I would say, you know, it, it, through my own analysis, it, it's a John, it's a John F song, but, um, I I have story after story about Oh Do Not Forsake Me. It keeps coming around to me. Uh, the the big one being, I guess the only big actual story is, I, again, such a fan, when I'm in college in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, at, I'm like 20 years old, and I met this other artist, a young poet, my friend Inga, and she said, I've never met a celebrity the closest thing to a celebrity I've ever met is my uncle Wilbur Pauly. And I was like, your uncle is Wilbur Pauly? Wow. And, and she's like, you're kidding. And I said, no, he's on this song on this album. And she didn't know who They Might Be Giants were. She didn't know. She just knew he was the guy from this vocal group that was yeah. big in Germany. And so that's the big story for me. And I, and I even tell other fanatics about that and they don't know who I'm talking about, but, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Hudson Shad is the name of the vocal group for people yeah. uh, not knowing. And, um, you said it's her uncle. Is that it's said? her, he's her uncle. Yeah. Wilbur is her uncle. And he is the lead, uh, singer on this, this track or the final John Henry track, uh, lead bass, having a, a a bass singing the lead is pretty fucking awesome too. And I was a bass and I, I guess I'm more of a baritone or even a low tenor now, but I was a, um, I was in the bass in a madrigal ensemble, uh, in high school. And I, you know, I was like an honors choir nerd in, in high school. So to have that, Hell yeah. that I was really drawn to that sound, you know, and, uh, to the sound of that, that voice. And, you know, I, another thing about Oh Do Not Forsake Me is I've covered it probably a hundred times in, at shows, and it's there's a certain kind of show where I'm like, okay, these people are going to listen to anything I do, and and that's when I will go out and open with this weird a cappella song that I didn't even write, you know, um, or it'll be some where I have to kill four hours, you know, I'm doing like one of those you know, <laughs> oh, brewery gigs <laughs> where it doesn't worst. matter what... You, you play because like you know we used to play these gigs in, in like lubbock texas where they'd be like okay you're on from nine to one and, <laughs> right. and there's a thousand people in the bar over the course of the night zero of them listen to a note you play but there's nothing else going on in town and you were in albuquerque the night before and you've got to be in amarillo tomorrow so you play this thankless gig because they come over and they hand you 
four or five hundred bucks at the end right. of the night because they just want to have music. Man, when when all your songs are like two two and a half minutes, that is a right. lot of songs to fill <laughs> all those hours. You really learn how many songs you actually know when you play those kind of gigs. Not and enough. So, right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so you know, it's been it's been in a, a more or less. I had a conceptual album I was going to do for a point at a time, which was um, "They Might Be Giants" song sung a cappella in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I started like recording. I'm just on my phone. These demos of just random songs with no instruments, just singing in the shower. Get that bathroom reverb. Right. It, right. It won't. Ha- I mean, it's one of those things I probably won't finish. But um, and and then the other thing really is. Uh, how old are you, Greg? I am 39. Okay, we're close to the same age. You're class of 99. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. And uh, I felt like when I got into alter- alternative music, that alternative music meant that you could do whatever you wanted. Right. And so I liked Green Day. I liked you know Nirvana. I liked that stuff. But it, it very quickly got codified and... And there was a sound you had to have to be alternative. And then mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the peak, uh, you know, the nadir of that is stuff like shit like Creed and Seven Mary Three and just that watery <laughs> southern crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, if you can do whatever you want in alternative music, then you can have a men's choral acapella song on your album. And that is a punk statement. It and is bold, yes. And when people when people say they they you know they might be giants are probably my least favorite band of all time, I'm like how <laughs> because they're they're never they're so idiosyncratic that it's their own sound, but they hop from genre to genre. You know, you got 19 so, genres on an album. You know, right? Like, so wait, have people said that to you? Because I feel like it's either like they people either really love them like we do. They've heard yeah. a few songs, or they have no idea who they are. Are there are there really people that are just full of hatred for they might be giants? I have I have um, I have encountered many people who were like, "That is not music," and you're like, <laughs> "And did you smack them in the face?" <laughs> no, no, and uh, you know, I've learned to just be like, because you know, one of the things we see in the forums is people are like. I don't know if I could ever date someone who wasn't a TMBG fan. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm like, I, I absolutely could. I would just listen on my own. You know, I, I uh, the, the a guy who used to put my CDs out uh, for years, he was, you know, good to work with and very generous and, and got me on, you know, on tour for a while. But he hated They Might Be Giants and was like, <laughs> I cannot bear to listen to this band. And... And so we never we couldn't listen to the bit again on the road, and, and I got through those years. Now, but I then, but then you I played want. this song, and he's like, "Hey, this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can this, dig this, yeah." <laughs> um, Neither was, of the Johns are singing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. And that's another part about it too. Is is you know it's a Flansburg song, and he's so generous. You know, it's like a Steely Dan kind of thing where it's like, even if I'm not on the track, you know, this is the right thing for the track. Right. You and know? it's and, it's stuff you see, especially in the modern era, you'll see 
you know, and I won't realize it until I'm looking through the credits, you know, doing a uh, an episode and be like, wait, Flansburg isn't on this track. Or, wait, Linnell's not on this track. It, it happens a lot more than you'd think. I mean, it was rarer back then because they were fresh coming off the duo era. So they were, you know, there was only two guys. They had to all, you know, right. contribute to everything. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, let's let's back it up a little bit and talk about sure. the uh, first of the dial song version so i'll i'll drop that in right here Flans screaming into the answering machine. What do you think about the dial song version? I love that that sound. That I, I don't know how to. You, you'll you'll know what you hear. Uh, you'll know the sound I'm I'm talking about. Where it's like he puts on that fake deep voice, where it's like <laughs> almost like a Harvey Firestein voice or something. Was like, oh, dude, <laughs> you know, where they're like almost willfully as as weird as they can be. You know, like they both kind of do it, but he's a little better than the other. But um, well, man, this Dallas song one, he almost gets it sounding bluesy. I mean, he really wrangles <laughs> the melody in. By the time the the Richard Regan, uh, John Henry demos, we'll we'll play in a minute. But this Dallas song one, one thousand years old. Sure, I'd say that's all. <laughs> like he, he's he's in like there's this one higher note that keeps coming up that eventually got shaved off in the melody. A thousand <laughs> years old. Like this like little like yeah, yeah, yeah. yelp he does there. And it's just, it's wild to hear, but you can hear that, I mean, it's more than a germ of an idea. Like, the song is very much there. Yeah. But yeah, no instruments, uh, no multi-track vocals. It's just Flansburg screaming at the machine. And I want to know how long it took him to write that. I mean, just just that. If if it was just that that spark and like, shit, we got to put a new thing on the answering machine this week and just like (laughs) knocks it out. I mean, you can tell... I mean, obviously, a, a ton more work went into this song, but it's amazing to think that that he could just just yell something at the machine, and eventually it becomes this thick, layered vocal arrangement. You know, it's, however uh, many years later, the wiki doesn't even know when that uh, dial oh, song version was. They don't know when the dial song is from. It's uh, no, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be able to say. Um, it's but I, mark. I I really do like. Um, you know, you get the impression sometimes and with ones like that and with ones like, you know, there's some other ones like Rat Patrol is like that, too, where it's like, you know, he could have just opened up the book to a random page and and here it is, you know, and just like there's really like a fly by the seat of your pants um, element to that, you know, where it's and like, another weird flans verse. Rat Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Live composition, you know, where you're really watching it 
while it's happening, like a John Cage kind of thing or something. And that's, you know, that stuff is really, I find really valuable. Yeah. I mean, lots of time, you know, just uh, going with your gut, getting that, you know, first thought, best thought kind of thing is often, you know, you right. catch the, or I mean, at least you're getting the, the, the structure of the song, though, you know, maybe you need to go back and, you know, refine it, but like not doubting yourself and just like putting it on tape and the dial song really helped them with that. Like, you know, they get it on tape. It's not like you think about it and kind of sing it to yourself or whatever. You might do it in band practice, but then you forget about it. And you're like, wait, how did that go? Well, I don't know. We didn't right. record it. Well, in this case they did, they recorded everything, which is awesome for us when the stuff uh, gets unearthed. Yeah, that a, power dial a song bootleg huge youtube compilations they're just amazing just like three hours of the most insane shit you'd ever hear <laughs> right 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 <laughs> it's um it, they were they were really generous for a long time with you know like strange early versions of their stuff that would be you know probably long forgotten you know and and like totally revamped and redone by the time the album came out and i and it's one of the things that sets them apart for from other artists for me is mm. you really get to hear all of that stuff you know and um you know i think probably around the time of main car they were like you know it probably got old hearing people say you know I, boy i preferred the demo of this you know and this <laughs> is kind of a bummer you know you could see you, you could see kind of getting old you know yeah, so maybe that's why they just did that huge dump with uh, TMBG Unlimited right around that time, and like just get get the get it all out there and just like a band aid, just right off. Right, they just unleashed so much on the on the fan club members back then, which I was not in the fan club then. I don't think I knew it existed. I mean, I was following the band, but I wasn't you know extremely online like I am now. <laughs> and and uh, you know, being in college and all that i had other things to do but um but yeah so that was where team bg unlimited is where the richard reagan demo first appeared so we had to wait to hear a lot of these john henry demos until the cd was released in 2018 um and that still is not available on streaming it's only on that uh, did you get the, the cd the john henry demos um i yes i have that yeah I have that but people did we did get to hear this uh oh do not forsake me uh when they put it out in uh 2001 on uh, unlimited so let's uh let me pop that in here real quick john henry demos oh do not forsake me my indolent friend Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this, for I am 1,000 years old. One thousand years old Sure you think that's old One thousand years old But what do you know In my darkest hour I'm 
so here, yeah, even another version of Flynn's uh, affected voice. <laughs> and it's so much more aggressive. Like, after being so, like, sitting in the original for so many years and then hearing that, like, whoa, <laughs> it's coming at you. <laughs> and think about it, too. Think about this record on cassette, too, where it's like, you know, if you heard if you heard John Henry on cassette for the first time and it's like Spy was already a, a live show favorite and then, you know, and it was already out on the CD5 from 93 and then, you know, it gets to the end of Spy and then it's like the tape flips over and then it's, it's you know, this not even barbershop quartet, it's like sub-barbershop quartet you know like chamber or chamber choir you know really testing the limits of what you know alternative music can mean you know it's it's it's, it's powerful it um, is it is um, what do you think about that demo though with the strings i mean i think it's fantastic um, yeah coming in with just with the double bass first it's just like and i can't find any credits the the demo cd doesn't have like a booklet or anything like that and the wiki doesn't have anything either about who those string players are i was doubting for a minute if it was real strings but i was listening closely and just uh, the scratchiness of the bow and stuff like that i do i do think it's real strings right yeah i i mean it's because there is a little keyboard that reveals itself at the end at the tail end there's this little swell of like a a synth patch or something that comes up, and that's what had me doubting it. But I kept going back. I'm like, no, there's definitely real strings in there, but I don't know who played them. That I have not noticed. Um, One thousand. Yeah, I would gather real string players, but maybe like from the Ordinaires or something. Like that's about the right era. They were playing yeah. with. Kurt Hoffman, the first two times I saw them, they were playing with Kurt Hoffman from The Ordinaires. Mm. And they certainly maintained a relationship because I saw one of his later one of his later bands open for them later on, too. So, you know, they know people. Garo Yellen, another one. Yeah, um, and again, there's there's the connection there since, um, yeah, since Tony uh, Maimoni was in the band. He could be like, oh, hey, you know, Garo Yellen did stuff with Per Ubu too, right? Did he really? I think so. I could I be wrong. I should double check that. But um yeah, I I mean it's yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident now after really like listening to it. And it's hard panned to the right. You got the vocals all the way in the right, left right, right. and the and the strings completely in the right. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident it's real strings here. Yep, Gary Yellen, um yeah, Gary Yellen was in uh, Pier Ubu at some point. I don't know the exact timeline, but uh, so there's a good chance that Gary Yellen is the uh, cellist, probably on uh, on that track. Yeah, I would, I would, I would wager. You know, yeah. he's on all that. He's on and a lot of factory showroom stuff. Yeah, and he's on one of the Monopuff records. Uh, mm -hmm. That was another one. Just living in New York, you meet people like that who don't know they're famous to people like me and he happened to be playing cello with a friend of mine you know it's just like if you've got the money to pay to pay a cello player it doesn't matter if it's they might be giants or some guy you know like you just show up and play and, uh, right, right. so i happened to witness him playing cello at 
just some some guy's show, and he said Gary Oyelowo. I was like Gary Oyelowo. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm yelling at Gary Oyelowo. Yeah, we're, we're such dorks. I actually just I sent a friend request and got accepted a friend request uh, from. Uh, to Dan uh, Levine, who has played trombone on a million They Might Be Giants things. Sure, sure. And he's probably like, I don't know who this guy is uh, or why he's contacting me, but I'll accept this friend request. Might be one of those guys. But I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, you got to let the friend request cool for a little while. But then I'll be like, hey, <laughs> you want to come on the podcast? Talk about a song you played some T-Bone on. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you be like, why would anyone want to hear that? I'd be like, oh, dorks like me will want to hear about that. We want right. to hear about that. <laughs> they, they, they seem to forget. Yeah. You know. <laughs> they, they were huge dorks. It's like the guy who invented the Nike swoosh doesn't have to deal with this. You know, and way more people <laughs> have seen that. It was just a day's work for him. You know? right. Yeah, it's kind of like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man. Man. Well, yeah, let's talk about the official... Well, should we talk about the official John Henry version or the live New York City 10-14-94 version first? Well, let's talk about the live in New York in New York City one because that's, that's really special. And it's Flansy again. Yeah. Yep. It's him yeah. and the accordion, right? Uh, it's a keyboard. It's not accordion. Yeah. It's like a... Um, it's almost like a, a string-type patch. I mean, this one, you can tell it's a keyboard, but it's kind of like that... Not exactly like that Cure style, the Cure fake strings setting, right. but like it's a little bit of that reedy kind of nature. Um, right, 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 right. Oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friends. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this for i am one thousand years old one thousand years old yes i'd say that's old one thousand years old but Did you did you see them in that era? I did not see them till the Mint Car tour. I I wonder if well the first I saw them before and after this album came out. The first time now I know in hindsight they opened with Dirt Bike, and I know that because the two horn players and John Linnell came out and they did that opening part. You know the opening part of Dirt Bike, and then mm-hmm. the whole song kicked in behind it. But the second time I saw him with Frank Black as the support act. They, um, John and John and Brian uh, Doherty, drummer, yep. mm-hmm. they came out and Brian had this tiny like little toddler's drum set, and <laughs> and they were on the apron. And I was like, the weirdest part about it was Frank had played his whole set on the very front of the stage. There was a curtain behind him, mm-hmm. and then and he'd played his whole set in front of that, and then. 
Brian came out and played this tiny little toy drum set, <laughs> and it was just accordion and guitar and Brian Doherty, and oh they did God. they did Meet James Ensor, and then they did Particle Man like that, and so Flansburg, this is like pr- proto Quiet Storm. Yeah, it was wild, um, I, and then they did Istanbul, and then it was like when they the big the last Istanbul, like. It was this big open, and the curtains opened, and there was the whole stage, and it was set up like a New York City street behind them. It was like the most production I've ever seen in one of their shows. And so I've always assumed that the the NYC live show was like that, too, where it was like this, this like slow beginning and then this big bombastic opening uh, of like to reveal the big set behind them. and so I've always assumed that that's what it what it looked like then um, at that show. So let's just assume, for the sake of you know not knowing for sure, that they were kind of doing this tease at the beginning. You know. Well, we do. If I mean, according to the wiki and on well on the track listing, it has they actually open after an introduction from uh, Donna Donna that they open with "Oh, do not forsake me." Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. So, yes, it's bizarre. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't uh, the tiny drum set thing, I guess, but uh, it was just the two of them. So, I don't know then how they, what what kind of visual, if there was any sort of visual reveal going into Don't Let's Start, which was the next track. Oh, yeah. There um, must not have been one then. That, that's, that was just a fantasy in my mind that they, yeah. <laughs> they God, um, this tiny drum set thing. I just got my daughter a tiny drum set for Christmas. It's so now I'm imagining. Brian Doherty playing it. I've been wanting to have him back on the show again, and I will totally ask him about that because that is an amazing, amazing thing to see. I cannot believe that. It's the first I've heard this story, and that is just incredible. What what if it was the only night they did that? You know, like I wouldn't put it past them. They they seem like the kind of guys that like they'll twist stuff around. Like I did the boat of car episode, and they've only played that song like forty times. But they've done it like seven or eight different ways. I mean, wow. switching lead vocalists, switching instrumentation. Uh, it's just like they, they seem like, you know, maybe we need to put a little bit more rehearsal in, but let's do it differently again. You know, I mean, maybe it was the only time they did that. That That's that's incredible. Yeah, I, um, I was right up against the stage. I was on the Tony side. Um, and it was at a point where their mics weren't wireless yet, so you were they were even John was pretty much in one spot for the whole show and uh, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know anything about earplugs at the time, so I'm sure all <laughs> of my hearing damage that i've I've sustained happened didn't happen at a you know grindcore show. It happened at a they might be giants <laughs> show in ninety four and uh yeah, this whole like little tease with. And, you know, again, like, you you know, you think about punk rock, you think about alternative rock, and it's like, look at all the possibilities you can do even within the idiom, you know, it doesn't have to be one thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I, I, I think about that a lot. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, you know, I don't really feel like there's a, there's a perfect version of this song. It's kind of one of those things. It's a little bit like Devil Town, like the Daniel Johnston song, oh. where it's like because there's nothing to it, you can do whatever you want with it. 
Mm -hmm. you know so there's like the groovy ghoulies version and there's the bright eyes version and then there's and every one Mm -hmm. of them is that's another one certain shows i'll open with that you know that one a little more regularly now since he's passed but you know um yeah, out, uh, my band, Outdoor Valor, actually did a cover of uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost, all fuzzed out. Oh, nice. I think you'd like that. Nice. I've also done it some solo and like open mic shit. I'll bust out Funeral Home just to see how like a Lafayette pub crowd reacts to it. <laughs> and I'll just loop it. I'll just do it over and over again. I'll be like, I'm not going to stop this song until you're all singing with me. <laughs> I used to play this. Uh, we used to drive 20 miles west of Kalamazoo on Thursday nights to play this. There was this open mic in Paw Paw, Michigan that they had a um, the Dykeman Saloon. They had an open mic with a full back line. And oh, wow. The rumor was sometime in the 80s, Bob Dylan had stopped in and had like borrowed a guitar and, and jammed mm-hmm. with these guys on, yeah. on this tiny stage. And like it was this place everybody had gone through, and it was this real shithole little place. But like the whole thing was if you could, you know, if you if you could like have a you know if you could survive playing there you could play anywhere and i've never played a crowd that was like meaner than the dykeman <laughs> saloon was did it have the the blues brothers like great up in front of the stage it, to prevent you from getting hit by balls <laughs> it was it was close there were people that tried to boo us off stage one of the nights we we played there once and my dad when my dad was in town and they tried to like the these locals tried to like harass us off stage and I, and I was super drunk and super mouthy and like, just like, I'm surprised I didn't get my ass kicked. But you know, what you learn is if you just keep playing, turns out most people don't want to actually fight, you know, they just right. like, so eventually they'll start singing something like funeral home or, Oh, do not forsake me just, just to appease the, you know, the guy on stage. <laughs> yeah 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 you're fine okay next (laughs) yeah yep that's exactly it that's exactly it (laughs) yeah so um yeah that live version is cool and i love there's at one point like about halfway through the song like you hear like the crowd kind of like chiming in here or there but you hear someone go like or something like in there like some some jerks just knowing they're gonna get on this recording it's this you know quiet song like if I right. just make a little noise here <laughs> right uh, but yeah. let's talk about the um so oh do not do not forsake me i love on the wiki they've got the transcribed uh vocal arrangement wow. um that wilbur <laughs> Polly did for hudson shad yes the, the fact that the song is notated by hand uh is uh, amazing um and the in 2020 a new fact was added to this song just in uh july let me see i just found this because it's cited to the facebook post where matt hemingway posted a miscellaneous t on july 8th of this uh well it's 2021 now i'm still forgetting uh back july 8th of 2020 um he said let's see he was talking about Yes, he saw the oh, Do Not Forsake Me transcription. Um, he emailed Wilbur Polly of Hudson Chad to ask for a PDF copy of it. And 
Wilbur Polly sent him back this story. I'd gotten a call from John Linnell on my answering machine. He'd heard us and wanted us to record a song he'd written for this group. Uh, they might be giants. I had no idea who they were, but I'm loath to turn down offers of gainful employment. I called him back, and as I recall, <laughs> he sang the song over the phone, just the melody. He said he wanted the solo alone with a churchy sound for the chorus and a descending counter melody during the second verse. I arranged it pretty quickly, and I think we sent a demo. Man, I'd love to hear that. Them doing it uh, on a rough version. I believe we recorded it in early 1994. Sometime after the album came out, they were playing Irving Plaza in New York City and asked if we wanted to do a set ending with Oh Do Not Forsake Me that would lead into their coming on stage. Okay, five guys in tails with a harpsichordist playing an electric piano. Sure, why not? As soon as we began Oh Do Not Forsake Me, the entire audience sang with us. They, of course, had bought the CD and knew every word. It was our debut with a rock band. And this guy, Matt Hemingway, we're going to hear his cover later. He is He posted it with this on the miscellaneous T post, him doing an all acapella with five of him overdubbed version of him doing a tune oh for a segment. So, yeah. Woo. So that's, that's, uh, yeah. He uh, just got this fact just, you know, seven months uh, ago onto the wiki. So thanks for that, Matt. And uh, we're going to listen to you in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that, what I'm thinking is that Wilbur Polly, uh, mixed up the johns don't you think because he's saying he's saying that he got a call from john linnell wanted us to record a song he'd written and that linnell sang oh, it over the phone i Do just you think he's mixing that. them up yeah. oh god what if what if there's a john linnell demo out, out there somewhere yeah because that's if, the thing too like i was saying before i think they collaborate more than we we often give them credit for and yeah i mean it could have been you know flan's Obviously wrote it screaming into the dial a song version. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's a chance that Linnell, like along the way they were working on it together, Linnell just happened to be the one that talked to, you know. That could Paul. very well, you know, that could very well have been the case. And I would love to hear, you know, if that existed, a John Linnell uh, solo acapella take on that. You know, I would or just a recording of more, him over the phone. Yeah. Right, right. I would listen to 20 more versions of this song, you know, like. I, yeah. I mean, you could do, it's one of those things you could really do, you know, dance remixes if you really wanted to. Imagine <laughs> like a big, like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> like when like when they wanted Lana Del Rey played in the clubs, they, they just had people, re- like producers remix her record because right. it was pretty conservative sounding by itself. But it's like, come on, let's get some beats behind it, you know? Let's, let's get and, it to the elegant two and see what they do with it. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, get the Dust Brothers in there. Dust yeah. <laughs> Brothers remix of uh, <laughs> Do Not Forsake the, the other uh, cool uh, tidbit on the trivia here on the wiki, um, Flansburg being interviewed for Pitchfork magazine in 1996, which is just wild to me. Now, this is the very earliest days of Pitchfork, and there's no... I'm wondering if it's been scrubbed from the Pitchfork archives because there's no link to it, um, no citation for it. But the, the quote is here, Flansburg... Uh, I'm pitched for. He said, for the record, I sung the demo. He seems pretty defensive in this. I can sing all those notes too, but I thought it'd be more interesting to hear somebody with like a really profound bassy voice sing this song with all these theatrical qualities. If we were only making one record, it's probably it'd probably be more like, What are our personal expression? What about us? But we've made a lot of records, and I think we feel like it's okay to share the limelight. 
that's so funny. He's like, well, I, I can sing all those notes. It's not that I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can we can hear on the demo. I mean, he hits those low notes as well as Wilbur Polly does. He just doesn't have the, uh, you know, the, the, the churchy prof- tone. He's got the basso, but not the profundo. You know, like it's not as <laughs> it's not as booming. And I, but I think you know, again, I think that's important. But he's like. You know, we've made lots of records, and I think it's a, we feel like it's okay to share the limelight. It's like, again, mm-hmm. like we were talking about before, like, it's hard to remember, like, it's easy to forget, you know, he's not on dead, you know, he's right. not on, you know, I mean, we could do this between us, we could probably do this for an hour, just thinking right. of things that, like, each of them are, are not are not on, and yet it's wholly their composition, you know, like, they're part of the... You know, they're part of the composition. Um, I keep going back to probably just Wilbur Pauly, you know, getting the wrong John in there, but just imagining the other John, uh, you know, it's a little bit like um, the band Sparks, you know, Ron writes all the songs. And so that would mean to me that there are demos of Ron singing the songs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and Mm -hmm. even though Russell's the singer, like unless Ron is so idiosyncratic that he, he just goes here sing this and he ne- you never hear notes come out of his mouth but I don't think so <laughs> you know there's got to be right. a demo of Ron singing that somewhere yeah, and so like yeah. I wonder if those other versions are out there in the world well if they were out there in the world you probably would have found them by now this fandom <laughs> probably would have found them by now <laughs> um, John Ulyss would have bestowed it upon us by now right 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 uh, right yeah mike buffington would have found it in someone's basement um <laughs> yeah but looking at the sheet music is crazy we we got to give a lot of credit to to will rapali and and hudson shad because the the demo with the strings and stuff like the string arrangement is cool but it's a little more stagnant uh um, right. the the movement and just like the resolutions of these chords and stuff in this vocal arrangement are just incredible just like and i think again you being a choir person me i was i was a band guy but i mean i'm a music teacher and i appreciate you know this just like the thickness and it's like the richness of this accompaniment it's just like i feel like people that aren't people who diss this song they clearly weren't choir nerds because you if you were you couldn't hate this song it's just (laughs) beautiful we would have spent in that ensemble we would have spent you know, a week learning this, you know, it would have been a real honor. Uh, it would have been like, you know, we all would have been totally down with it. Yeah. Uh, when I told John Eulis I was doing this song for this show, <laughs> he, he said, did you lose a bet? And, <laughs> and, uh, and I was, I mean, I went right to John Henry when we did, when we started talking and like, I went right to John Henry and I went right to the options that were available. And, and this was the most, I don't remember what else was available, but this one was like highlighted on the sheet. I'm like, it's, it's God sending me there. I should, I should be the one to sing that, you know? Um, uh, and, uh, but yeah, yeah, we would have, you know, especially as the bass singers, we we were like the we were like the rock stars of that because we do like the, you know, uh, I'm most definitely a tenor. I cannot get that last note, but <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I can I get can low, get but not quite that low. 
but I can hit it better in the morning. You know, I can hit it right. better when I first wake up, you know, <laughs> oh, you know like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we were stuffed like 16 tons, like doop, doop, doom, doom, sure. doom. Like that was my, you know, just snapping your finger in time and getting the basic oh. notes in there. And <laughs> here's, and here's, uh, I'm looking at the, the file of the, the sheet music and capital Q, Mr. John Ulyss. He's the one that uploaded the sheet music here. <laughs> he really, he was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at so, that. I don't know. Maybe he got it from Matt Hemingway it's, uh, or they both got it independently. But yeah, Matt was, said he had emailed you know, for the, the PDF from Polly. Um, yeah. From, from what I understand about Wilbur too, about the Hudson shed is they're, they're really, their fan bases in Germany. Like they, they yeah. can tour Germany every year. And, and so this might be one of the only, uh, American interactions they have is, is regarding, you know, this song, well, it's weird their history. I was trying to find out a little bit about them, and it's and it's kind of perplexing to me. They were apparently they're carrying on the tradition of a German group called the Comedian Harmonists, who are an internationally famous all male German close harmony ensemble that performed between 1928 and 1934. It's one of the most successful musical groups in Europe before World War II. Wow. Yeah. So this this group that existed for six years now Hudson Shad who appears to still be going they have a facebook page and all this uh, they're they're carrying the, the tradition of a group that lasted six years in germany and they've been going for like 30 years now um yeah, <laughs> or at least so 25 <laughs> yeah oh here it says back in 1992 when we first became hudson shed hired to recreate they were hired to recreate the repertoire of legendary german group the comedian harmonist we had to learn and memorize about 25 of their songs from scratchy recordings blotchy transcriptions and not enough rehearsal time that's a crazy way for a group to be formed and then to end up doing stuff like appearing on a, a, a they might be giants record on on electra records <laughs> it's pretty crazy. right 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 and and you know, I don't need to sit here and pat myself on the back, but there aren't that many people following Hudson Shad on Facebook, which just, it blows my mind again that like, you know, at least in terms of social media presence, like someone like me is, is bigger than that band, you know, like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's a different generation. I mean, they're probably not pushing the Facebook and stuff like that. I, yeah. They probably don't care about the numbers. We know, I mean, I don't care about the Facebook likes either, but promoters sometimes do, and that's where they'll go first and look for you when you're like, "Can I play in your town?" And they're like, "I've never heard of you. Let's look you up." Up, uh, you've got under a thousand likes on Facebook. That's <laughs> like, that doesn't mean anything. I pretend to them, that I don't care, but I care. <laughs> I, I care so much. <laughs> well, uh, hey, people out there, go give. Uh, do you do? You, and you have a separate music page, right? Yeah, for it's your real- stuff. The Facebook is Brooke Pridemore Music, and then everything else, it's Brooke Pridemore. Brooke with no E, Pridemore, P-R-I-D-E-M-O-R-E. Um, go, fi- go, go find Brooke then and uh, give a like, and while you're at it, give This Might Be a Podcast a like, because I push it a lot more on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, I'm up above a thousand uh, followers on Twitter, but I think I'm only like, <laughs> I don't think I've even hit 400 on Facebook, but Facebook is not good for promoting shit. We... I'm, it's hard. You and to I could go on, on and on about this. Yeah, they're like, "Give us money." I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> yeah, I've never nah. paid for anything. I've never paid for that stuff, and I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah, 
it's stupid. I did twice. Neither one paid off. Uh, there was no profit to be made. So uh, never since. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked quite about the the musical elements. What do you like about the lyrics of Oduna oh, Forsake Me? <laughs> um, I I like I like words like indolent, which I had to look um, that up back in the day. I. Uh, I only encountered that word again when I started playing uh, The Simpsons Tapped Out in 2015 because there's an <laughs> there's an indolence rating on The Simpsons Tapped Out. You you have to improve your indolence rating. So, and the, so the, instead of Homer the, being lazy, he's being indolent. Right. The the That's the great. OED definition here says wanting to avoid activity or exertion, comma lazy. Yeah. And it goes back to that. It goes back to that Utah Phillips thing for me where he said, you know, people ask me, why, what does a, a word mean? And I tell them and they go, well, why don't you use this simpler word? And he said, well, a, a word, you know, your vocabulary is like a toolbox. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to say lazy. I want to say indolent. And, you know, I like the idea of, you know, over the years I've learned about, you know, Carl Reiner and the 2,000-year-old man. I go, well, Mel Brooks was the 2,000-year-old man. But, uh, you know, so it's just yeah. like like just trying to communicate across the generations with somebody from a 1,000 years ago, you know, and just going like, you know, we just see things so differently, you know, and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, does does the lyric mean... You know, all my darkest hours talking like this. Like, does he mean actually in the, does he mean actually in the cadence of his voice, of Wilbur's (laughs) voice in the song? Or is it using words like indolent, you know, like. I always took it as like the timbre of the voice. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, I'm stuck. I'm talking like this all the time. <laughs> That's how I um, but, but I but I like that way too. And so, like, you know, and then there's kind of the like, there's kind of the warning at the end. You know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, at first he's like, "Sure, you think that's old, you know, mm-hmm. but you don't know shit. You're just a kid." And then he's like, you know. <laughs> sure i think the same thing too but i'm old and i don't know shit either you know and then it's like the thing we'll have in common in the dark in our darkest times is that you know we'll all be way older than we expected we'd be you know like and that's just off the top of my head going like you know like there's one thing that's certain and it's age you know there's one thing that's certain and it's death that's a that's a, a real common that's common a real theme. common and theme. And, and I mean, you got you know older. Came, right. Uh, you know they wrote that not too many years after. Uh, right. For and a long till weekend. The the one that kills me too is you know something like. <laughs> well, I don't know. We could talk about the theme of death. I, I all night you know in these songs and growing mm-hmm. up I was never like, you know that was another thing is like hearing this record at 15, like I didn't know it was weird, you know, to have words like this on records, you know, like it's a far Mm -hmm. cry from like baby, 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 you know, it's like, it's really something. And so, you know, as an artist, when like you don't know that you can't do something or when you don't know that something's not cool, it, it's very freeing. You know, it's very freeing to aspire to be like this group, you know, that like, 
you know, when you try to sound like them, you'll fail. But you know, you can you can share the eclecticism, you know, the, the willful, you know, idiosyncrasy of it. Um, I don't know. What you got any thoughts on the words there? You know, it's to me. It always, you know, even though you might, you know, they're a vocal group, and maybe some people might call it barbershop. But to me, it always sounded more like chant. You know, like Gregorian chant. Yeah. Like, you know, and yep. it's got that reverb and the tone. It's not so much as, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't call Barbershop cheesy. I think a lot of people would, but like it doesn't quite have that, especially since it's starting off in B minor. Um, you know, it kind of shifts major later, but, um, or during certain sections, but, oh, sure. you know, it's got that kind of somber feel. It feels like, you know, in, in the lyrics, very contemplative. You know, it, 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 like I couldn't help but picture. And I thought I thought that it was Flan singing for the longest time, because really the the timbre of of Polly's voice is not that far off from what Flans can do. Um, that I just couldn't help but picture like Flans like <laughs> shaved head, <laughs> just like, you know, Hair crisscross shirt. on the floor, just like belting this out alone in a room, or to like a younger disciple, you know. <laughs> basically giving like the monk's version of like, you kids you know <laughs> right 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 i've been doing right. this monk thing for a thousand years you know you, you got to earn your stripes here you know and, and, and learn learn your roots here and then know? they and then they kind of you kind of consider like you know that like the the maybe if the narrator of the song is is living monastically or considers himself to be living monastically i keep coming back to like you young whippersnappers, like one way or another, um, one day you're going to find out. As I've gotten older, I find myself thinking, like, one day you're going to find out that time goes really fast. You know, one day you're going to find out that you've wasted your time doing stupid shit, you know, like, you know, and that's when I'm at my angriest, you know. Seriously. You know, I look back and I feel like the four years of high school lasted forever. But, like, the last 20 years have been like that, you know. Right. It's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, this, God, and again, the, the vocal arrangement, the, the backup singers doing the echoes, like the, <laughs> the, uh, well, the harmony on Misbegotten Notions gets me every time. But then, like, the, uh, sure, I'd say that's old, so old. Just like the little, <laughs> like, there it gets a little, it gets a little more barbershoppy as it goes with those little, you know, echoes there. But, God, it gets me every time. And just, like, that adds that, that comedic element. Like, it's got, it's got the They Might Be Giants, you know, dark comedy going sure. in it. Um, you know, it's not a joke song. And we all as fans talk about this. Like, they're not a joke band, but they have a sense of humor. And this song, just like, this guy is singing in a very serious tone. And then he says the phrasing, sure, I'd say that's old. <laughs> so old. <laughs> Real. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's great. Yeah, How do people I, not like this song? <laughs> I, I've so always good. found, you know, people were like, they're funny, or they were, they're, they're like a novelty band, and, and like, I know they resent it, and they resent the Ween comparison, and Ween resents the They Might Be Giants comparison, and, oh, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, they're like, there's this thing where they don't like to be compared to each other, even though they were on the same label at the same time, and they're two East Coast bands with two two men main members both of mm. them saying you know there's there's all these things and they're all these they're both incredible genre hoppers right but 
but here's, you know, you can't convince me you're not kind of a funny guy, you know, like right. you can't convince me you're not, you know, you don't know Monty Python, you know, <laughs> like even, you know, <laughs> but I feel like they're perpetually in this, in this, this, this state of going, um, yeah, you know, well, yeah, of course, but you know that that's not what we're about, man. Like it's like perpetually being a sixteen-year-old trying to admit they didn't like punk ska at one point. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like come on, people, third wave ska is the best ska. We all right, know it, right? Right? <laughs> right? Don't try to be that's so absolutely. cool. <laughs> it's the most fun. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, this this song is just the lyrics are just full of. Awesome Flans phrases. Flansburg, even more so than Linnell, has taught me a lot of cool words. Yeah, like indolent. And just, yeah, just the phrasing, misbegotten notions, flower of speech. Like, just, it's it's just sounds so, it's, the song sounds ancient, which I think is what he was going for. Like, it it does sound like a guy who's been around for, or it was recorded a thousand years ago. I guess the guy's a thousand years old, and or it was a thousand years ago, or whatever. Uh, it's just... It's just one of these songs that just is like this complete package. Like you can't separate the like. Even though on the podcast, lots of time about like we'll talk, we'll focus on the musical section, we'll focus on the lyrical section, but you can't separate them in this song. And right. uh, some songs you can, but they might be giants are really good at it's just like fusing it. You know, it's one complete package. It just yeah. occurred to me too while we were talking about this that this John Henry came out the same season as that Chant record came out. They both came out in '94. When oh. Chant was happening, they like when that second when Gregorian Chant was was hot <laughs> for a split second. The, the Gregorian Chant revival. All uh, the younger kids listening are like. You're fucking lying. There's no way. There really was. There re- but yeah. 1994 was a weird year. Um, but yeah, that record came out about two months before John Henry did. Oh, wow. And, you know, and they couldn't have known that was going to happen, you know, yeah. but it's like one of those weird serendipitous moments that, you know, like. They should have put this out as band. a single. <laughs> Could have been on 78, you know. Yeah. Got it played in like all the new age shops and stuff like that. Right, right, right. That's so funny. Where you buy your healing stones and, and whatnot. You could be hearing, oh, do not forsake me. <laughs> right, right. Wow, what a world. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Hello, person who probably doesn't already listen to my podcast. Obviously, this podcast, insert podcast name here, is phenomenal because you otherwise wouldn't be listening to it. But you haven't heard phenomenality, yes, that's a word, until you check out my podcast, The Dictionary which you should definitely do as soon as this episode is done. In each episode, I read a handful of words in the dictionary, along with their definitions, and I'll often add some of my personal thoughts to keep it a little bit more interesting. It can even be used as a sleeping aid. Episodes are family-friendly and short, about 10 to 15 minutes, and air every single day. So, if you're a word nerd, go check out The Dictionary, available on many podcast platforms. Should we get into these covers? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I mentioned Matthew Hemingway, who did some heavy lifting here, getting a good quote from Wilbur Polly about the, you know, the transcription and the arrangement of this song for Hudson Shad. Uh, he does his own acapella cover. 
and it's on his YouTube channel. Let me give him a bump here. His channel is, looks like if you search Matthew Hemingway, H-E-M-E-N-W-A-Y, you'll be able to find it. And let's check that out. One thousand years old. Sure you think that's old. One thousand years old. But what do you know? In my darkest hour, I'm talking like this. For I am one thousand years old. Though some have forgotten the flower of speech and walks through the garden where I go to defend misbegotten notions of So this is spot on. What'd you think? It's pretty wild. He really went to, and I think of myself as pretty tech savvy, but like, how do you do a five-way split screen, you know, and like record it's all those It's real snazzy parts. looking too, with yeah. the like diagonal cut. <laughs> yeah. And Wearing a Sciences Real shirt. <laughs> yep. And, you know, all for the sake of 142 views. Um and it just really, it really kills me, um, like the 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 attention to detail that he's paying here, you know. I think he's 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 got to be, you know. He asked for the PDF. He had he had the sheet music in front of him, and he's looking at it on his tablet. There, he is singing it note for note because he has the notes in front of him that were written by by the guy that arranged this song. Yeah. So this is like as spot on a cover as you're going to find because he had the source material. Um, yeah, it, it 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 kills me. And it kills me the dedication to craft that somebody that that it takes to do something like this. This is the stuff that really it, it really means a lot to me that, you know, from one from one fanatic to another, like it really means a lot that somebody would go to this this kind of effort. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of blown away by this, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> it's um, phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Um, let's move along to, uh, one that's quite a different take on it. Um, on the YouTube channel, Desert Bus for Hope. Desert Bus, I guess is the name of the show. It looks like some sort of podcast type thing. I didn't really look too much into it. Some sort of show. Um, there is someone who goes by the name Laser. 
on this show. There's five people here. They chit-chat a little bit at the beginning, and then Laser takes out a ukulele and uh, lasers us with a version of Oh, Do Not Forsake Me. Oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friends. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this. For I am 1,000 years old. One thousand years old, sure you think that's old. One thousand years old, but what do you know? In my darkest hour, I'm talking. Yeah, this this one really said. This one was like, I just think it's neat, you know, like, um. The chords are all clearly right. It's all it's all there, and it's like it's never occurred to me to sing this song with an instrument. You know, like you know, I was listening to this earlier and going, "That's like that's fascinating." Like the making the leap there. It, it you know, we've heard these other ones with the strings and with the uh, you know with the keys and stuff, but it 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 kind of blew my mind to like play a a guitar styled instrument with that. Is is totally weird. Yeah, you know, if you on the wiki, someone tabbed it out. <laughs> <laughs> someone really? named em yep there are guitar chords on the wiki wow. if you want to try it for the first time with guitar i think it's it's the kind of song where you'd have to at least do the first verse acapella right yeah and then you'd come in with it i mean laser here starts with uh with the ukulele right away well, yeah but, they came um, in with it right in the beginning you know, right, in the, right in the beginning it, it definitely helps to find your pitch you know singing acapella yeah. is uh not something that uh, everyone can do not that they couldn't but um I, you know, it sounds cool with the uke because it's so different. And also just, you know, the timbre of their voice is obviously not like, Wil- you know, Wilbur Polly. Right. So it's, it, it gives it this much more kind of um, twee quality, you know? And yeah. I like twee music. I don't use it as an insult. Uh, a, a twee quality rather than like this big booming churchy old fashioned kind of thing. It becomes like a little... Uh, indie pop song <laughs> right 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 i've never thought of twee as a um a twee as a slur i mean it's just a description the british for, do that's that's where i oh, do they mm-hmm. well they invented it so right know. like twee that's like grandma's doilies <laughs> is 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 exactly word for word what someone told me about that before because i think i had called our music that and i'm like okay we'll go with indie pop when promoting ourselves in the uk which is never uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get there it's hard to get around there they know what they like you know i've been there a couple times i found oh, it less man. less rewarding than i really wanted it to be oh that's um, a bummer because i'm i would i want to play in specifically scotland before i die because jesus and mary chain are like another sure. holy grail for me and i take all my guitar tones from those uh 90s shoegaze bands from the uk sure like, sure sure you know it, don't get me uh, wrong if you there. can find your way there it's it's a really beautiful place to be i would that's one of those places if i had you know either a great promoter or if i could go there just on vacation i've got a lot of family from uk so i could yeah. i could stay places yeah but um it's 
it, a lot of places it's it's something about it re- frankly it's really something it seems to be something about um they're not impressed by americans because it's like you come over and you know <laughs> we, we speak english too you know like it, it you know um i don't it's know funny, exactly when i played bismarck north dakota they were very very impressed by someone coming all the way out there <laughs> yeah they um i was just there in 2019 and they were really gracious oh, they were like man. wow really like you came here did from you, new did, york did you meet nora by chance I did not meet Nora. Uh, I, I I would figure that everyone would be at the same shows there. Uh, there wasn't really anybody at the show. <laughs> um, I played a I played a record store. Um, I had kind of a really bad time on that tour, but I played oh, my bummer. I played Minot the night before, and Minot was fun. And then Bismarck was just because like I had to go to Western Montana the next day, and it's like mm. it's either like play play a show or have a twelve hour drive. So. I played a show. Right. Right. Um, yeah. We, uh, well, Cara and I, when the band was just us, we were, you know, we we're doing, treating them, we were calling them torcations and we toured to Yellowstone and back and we, we took a break in the middle and did the Yellowstone thing. Yeah. And so we were coming out of there. No, no billing show ended up working out, but then we ended up in Bismarck and yeah, Nora set up this, uh, reserved, uh, pavilion or gazebo or whatever you want to call it out in the park. And it was like, there's weenie roast in the punk rock show. And, uh, it was amazing. Like, <laughs> you came here all the way from Indiana. Like nobody comes here. They were just so grateful. And we, uh, what year was that? Uh, t- mm, 2013. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's just forever ago at this point. I played a oh, record boy. store, and this kid, the the other act, was a kid in a, a Virginity Rocks sweatshirt, and I think his songs were all <laughs> Christian songs. And I yeah. really tried to tone it down, but I, I'm not very toned down, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't do any screaming that night, but I, I like sure i found a way to i was sure when i left i found a way to offend that kid yeah uh, the guy the guy that owned the shop was cool and oh that's what it was the guy owned the shop the guy that did the shows and owned the shop wasn't in town so we left it in the hands of the other guy that worked there mm-hmm. and they and he didn't know anybody so it was like the other guy didn't have any friends so none of it nobody came yeah, you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I only played Bismarck the once, and and it was a great time. But yeah, the the Torcations. This is what I'm trying to convince Kara to do. You know, I mean, we're a five piece now, but I'm like, let's do a two piece tour to the UK when when we're allowed to, and go to Scotland and and just play. You know, play like four shows in the UK, like just hit like the big spots, and but spend like two weeks, but only play four shows. You know, or something like that, right? You know, make a vacation of it and just you know rent some amps and, uh, and, and play, you know, a couple of times. <laughs> oh, let's move on to this next cover. Okay. It's, it's my pal Astral B. It's Daryl Till who has been on the show as a guest and I, and I believe is the most, uh, has the most hits in the cover section. His piano cover. Of, yeah. 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 Oh, do you know for a second? Check it out. He really gets rocking in this one. Like he gets it moving. Which is his this usual. is <laughs> this is the kind of this is what we would have sang in my church growing up. Wait till it gets to the second verse, though. <laughs>
I'm still, wow. This is totally wild. Yeah, no, it sounds like something we would have sang in church. Uh, <laughs> um, and maybe like if there was a good piano player that weekend. Um, they're hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy is really, I love the sound of the acoustic piano. And one of the only things I really truly regret about living in New York is that they're impossible to have. Sure. You can't, <laughs> like, you can't have one. Everybody how gets. Have to, how much do I have to pay you to take this up uh, eight flights of stairs? <laughs> <laughs> no, which, no, there's no amount of money that'll get me to look it up there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, it sounds great. The one house I lived in that had a piano, it was free. You know, when you think sure. about the idea of a free piano. Um, well, it's like people are like, I, I don't want to carry this. Right. <laughs> it's yours right, now. <laughs> right. You can get it in the trunk of your car. Or you can you can have it. You know, like now I would call a lift, I guess, and just get it taken over. But yeah, shit is wild. Um, but I love that sound. I love this. Uh, you know, it feels like home. You know, I like old things that need to be tuned. You know, mm -hmm. I like electronic yeah. music, but I like I have an Omnichord, and I uh, there's like so certain weird keyboards. You know, I I. I go looking for, and I'd rather have that than a patch any day of the week, you know? Personally, I'd rather have the, yeah. the crazy sounding thing oh, yeah. than have some kind I've of I've actually patch. got my, my spinet here is actually taken apart right now. Whoa. I've got this <laughs> T right here. I took the bottom panel off because I put a mic there at the bottom uh, to get more tone, and then the mic's over top. It's a total mess in here, always. Um, yeah, you can see there's there's the other pieces of the piano over there. <laughs> Jeez. So do you do you record you recorded the band at home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. This is uh, I'm speaking to you from Valor Underground Studios. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but man, Daryl, yeah, that upright sound and just like how he arpeggiates everything when and really just starts to get it moving there towards that second verse. Yeah. Um, it's great. And this is from 2008. So this is, um, I mean, this is early YouTube. Daryl Till, he is amazing and he has so many good covers on here. So props once again to Daryl Till. Yeah. I'll and, check uh, more of that. That's, that's cool. Astral B. He also has a whole set uploaded from a set he did a while ago, a whole tribute to They Might Be Giants. He did with a friend of his, a friend who actually plays guitar left-handed and him doing, uh, a bar gig where uh, they play all They Might Be Giant stuff. And oh, Daryl wow. plays, uh, plays accordion on all of it, I think. Yeah. Wow. Daryl was, was on my Patreon episode with uh, my accordion players episode, him and three other accordionists. Nice. Um, he's a solid dude. And he was on the Someone Keeps Moving My Chair episode. So uh, let's get to the last cover. This is a guy named Wyatt Fry. And uh, I pretty much just notated in the email there to you is the Jazzy cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Wyatt-Fry. Oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friends. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend. Thousand. 
this sounds like uh, you know of course it's on soundcloud but it sounds like a like they have soundcloud uh rappers i guess they have soundcloud gospel singers too you know <laughs> like like it's a whole genre um <laughs> but there's like there's this falsetto in there like the little the dinky program drums <laughs> yeah <laughs> little swung it <laughs> Yeah, it's totally wild. Uh, it sounds neat, and like the uh, the Rhodes style keys, right? Where it's like a, you can't tell if it's a patch or not. Uh, it sounds good with a. Uh, we'd like to think uh, it's a real Rhodes, but uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of trickery out there these days. Yeah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> there's there's something to be said for the amazing things you can do with digital recording these days. Have you keyboard? Have you had the chance to play a uh, real Rhodes? Yes, I have. Do not. Oh, there's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I know. Just like it's so much like a real piano. You know, like you feel like that action of it. You know, hammers and stuff. And, and uh, so it's like this. It is like a weird hybrid, like you know, electric piano. But it's not like a. You know. You can, even even having in the power off when you hit the keys, you know, it still is making a pitch because there is mechanisms in there. Like it, it is truly an electrically amplified piano. I don't know. I don't know how to describe, it, but yeah, right. It's a it's a godly instrument, um, <laughs> and almost as heavy as a real piano. <laughs> yeah, I, someone move one. Yeah. I I couldn't bear to, you know, if I had a house somewhere, I'd have all this crazy stuff. Uh, I'd have a room just full of full of crazy stuff like this, like a like a Rhodes and a you know a Neil Peart sized drum set, and I'd you know hopefully be able to record it all. <laughs> so we are to the final portion of this show where you need to score this song. Score it. Yep. Uh, to ten with decimals, if you like. I would give this. I'm going to give this one a solid eight. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the most memorable. It's one of you know, I mean, it's one of those ones I've listened to a trillion times. I've listened to it over and over and over again. And, uh, and I would tell you that it's, it's, uh, it's unique on a unique album by a unique band. And that, that's all true, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we've talked about all the reasons that it's, it's so unique. And, and I, so yeah, I'm going to go with an eight on this one. Uh, it's not the best song on the album. I would say, um, subliminal was the best mm. song on the album, uh, mm. or the end of the tour. Um, but, uh, it's up there and it's wholly unique to this one band and it's a wholly unique experience of their you know it's a wholly unique corner of their of their oeuvre is that how you pronounce that word yes it is is it really <laughs> yeah okay uh-huh well, that's another one i probably learned from them yeah right <laughs> all right what am i giving this um so I always go, usually go a little slightly lower than my guests because I'm I'm looking at all my past scores and what do I stack this up against? Recently, my most recent John Henry episode was Stompbox. I gave that a seven point two. Does this go higher or lower than Stompbox? Oh, I love the 
the punkiness of Stompbox, but I, you know what? There's so much to this song, and I think my score. I think we collectively have talked to my score higher um, <laughs> through just discovering just how much went into this song. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of work to it. Maybe not that initial germ that he shouted into the uh, the 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 tape machine, but he's like, "There's something there. Let's flesh it out." And it became something, like you said, wholly unique to this band. And uh, I think I'm going seven point five. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So plug your shit and let's play one of your original songs because you got some good stuff. I was checking out that Bandcamp and. Your combo of uh, acoustic and fuzz elements struck a chord with me. I appreciate that. Tell people where to go. We'll go to brookpridemore.bandcamp.com uh, to download Metal is My Only Friend, which is my most recent album that's available. I am working on a follow-up, which is called Nebraska, and it's a double album. And it's, uh, But it's not ready yet. I'm working with two different producers, and they're in different places right now. And it's not a full Bruce Springsteen cover album, is it? No, it's it's, <laughs> it's half pre-pandemic and half post-pandemic, all original by me. Nice. Um, and uh, it's called Nebraska for a lot of reasons. Um, but uh, yes, check out um, check out Metal is My Only Friend. Uh, it's my most spiritual album. And um, I'm proud of it also because I played almost every instrument on it myself. And, yeah, I was uh, going to ask you that because um, you didn't have anyone else listed. I'm like, yeah, I think it's all Brooke. It sounds uh, yeah, my friend, sounds great. My friend Charlotte played drums on two songs, and the engineer played all the keyboardy stuff, which is more more studio manipulation than keyboards for the most part. But then sure. I, I played everything else. I played all the other drums. I played all the guitar and all the bass. It's Yeah, it sounds great. And uh, it's, yeah, it really hits a sweet spot for me. What? Because, um, I mean, I told you I love shoegaze. I mean, that fuzz stuff. Sure. Uh, fuzz and, like, yeah, it's like that combination of, uh, like, a neutral milk hotel style or, like, Daniel Johnston, kind of that raw... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folky, but with that energy and with that emotion, just like that passion there. But then you're throwing some fuzz pedals in there too in the background. It's pretty great. Well, actually, uh, the layering there. Before the, the, the Nebraska album comes out, I'll have a, a split LP with a band called Yuck Mouth. And, and my side is my side is my what I've called my metal record. And I yeah. made a metal record that has no drums and only acoustic guitar and uh and i played it all myself and it's still metal af um but uh it's it's gonna be the weirdest thing that's ever come out from me that's Um, great you're giving yourself a challenge it's it's, uh that's awesome um so what song should we play of yours off of metal is my only friend i mean should we play the song that that has a monopuff reference as the title (laughs) or Um, or something else (laughs) which is who's going to build my death ray we should make them go look up who's going to build my death ray you know i think you're you're, okay okay. your message earlier was about name four things name four things and uh let's put that one on there let's put that That one was was the ear candy first like that hooked me immediately so let's listen to uh brooke pride more on band camp Name four things. Awesome. 
Six flats in since the new foundation I'm just a model for alternative nations Songs got written and deeds got done Shit's been real but it hasn't been real fun Drink, shake a futon, beer tank, coupon Lend a leg for a brother to regroup Cause the cops are at my door and I need my family Everything I ever ran Sitting in the back room riddled with doubt Praying on my brother from another mother's fallout What worked once might work again Name four things and then a line about my girlfriend Grapefruit staircase, steamer trunk, shoelace Lowly was a tiger but have a show people in this town would only notice when the chains close everywhere i go they talk real dumb tube top tuesdays never seem like freedom hancock coat rack drum set vibra slap i'm weaker than the beagle club never looking back my body's gone numb from my brain's insanity Thanks again for being on. Uh, let me do my thing real quick. People can find This Might Be a Podcast at thismightbeapodcast.com. Uh, on Twitter at This Might Be a Pod. Email me, This Might Be a Pod at Gmail. Tell me how much you love Oduno Forsake Me. Let's uh, show the haters that uh, this song is loved. And uh, you can leave me voicemails at 224-801-2930. Uh, if you really like what I'm doing, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And uh, hey, mention your Patreon too. You mentioned it, but what's the? Oh, yes. uh, is it pa- just Patreon.com slash Brooke Pridemore? Patreon.com slash Brooke Pridemore. There are there are levels from a dollar all the way up to 150, and uh, there's prizes for all of them. Um, rises <laughs> and you are headed off to do a uh, live stream right now yeah rock out on uh, oduno forsake me cool thank you awesome. so much yeah thanks for being on it was great to talk to you after seeing you around the internets for a while in the community and uh this was a blast thanks yeah thank you have a good night right yeah. yeah you too good All luck right. performing thank you bye bye Notions while talking like this, for I am one thousand years old. One thousand years old, sure, I'd say that's old. One thousand. Hour, my indolent friend.